Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. There's the reading of God's word. You can have a seat and just reflect on God's word for a few moments. Well, Growing in Christ is the title of today's sermon, uh, and it is really a good time to talk about this at the edge of 2018 as we face the next year, as we reflect on our lives and all the things that we've done and said and uh, all the things that God has allowed to happen to us. Uh, And so it's a great time just to think, what does it mean to grow in Christ? What does next year look like for us? It's also good as we prepare to go through the capital campaign And for those of you who don't know, this is happening in the first three months of 2019. It's a unique time where our church comes together and we decide uh, if we want to grow and how we want to grow. And we have all, hopefully, will come together. We will all come together and say, yes, we want to grow. We want to take that next step uh, that our church is going to take in 2019. So we are saying yes to growing our numbers, the numbers of members. We're saying yes to growing our staff and our elders and our deacons. Yes to growing in maturity and new perspectives. Yes to growing in diversity and all kinds of different people being able to come and worship here. We are growing our structures, our programs, our buildings, and of course our budget to support all of this growth. And just as we're growing... Of course, we know we, we need to welcome and encourage those things that, that nurture and inspire this new growth of new shoots growing out from the branch. And we want them to be fruitful in, in the future, including cutting off those things that we discover are really not, in, are not helpful. However, we know whatever our efforts... However we grow, we want to make absolutely sure as we look at John 15 that we are remaining in the same roots and vine, that is Christ. In other words, the same roots, the same vine that has given us new fruit and new life in our past, they'll be the same roots and the same vine that will give us new fruit and new life in the future. The capital campaign leaders have come up with a phrase that really captures the essence of all of this. 
and it's catchy. New shoots, same roots. So it, it, it rhymes. You can remember it. It's very easy to remember. But doesn't that capture what we're doing? The same roots and out of which comes the new growth and the new fruit that is to come. So John 15 is a great place for us just to pause here on December 30th as we position ourselves for this change. We can take a closer look at this passage. And as you look at it, as you look at John 15, numbers of things come out and, and hit you. But, but if, you, if you organize them together, it's pretty clear. There are three ma- major themes. Three major themes, of course, those are the three points of my sermon. It, it lines up perfectly. So three things we're going to look at this morning. Uh, and those three things are this. There's a stern warning. There's a simple instruction. And thirdly, there's an exciting result. So, of course, we have to start with the stern warning. This is the burning of dead branches. You know, I was reading through John 15 maybe the first time a few months ago just to prepare for today's sermon, thinking this might be the passage. And it caught my attention. And I thought, I don't know if I want to stand up there and and teach this. I mean, it it just kind of slaps you in the face. It's two verses, verse 2 and verse 6. It's like burning these dead branches. It's an all-consuming fire. It's not the refining fire of Malachi. It's the consuming fire that destroys. And it is fearful to think about that. The Bible does this a number of times. We've seen this, right? If you read through the Bible, uh, Jesus especially is known to do these things, to say these things, to have stern warnings of the reality of the consequences of sin. Let me bring to mind a couple of these. And, And I know that the reason you can remember these is the same reason you can remember all the things that you were afraid of as a kid. It's, it's a big deal. It stamps on your brain. So here's one. Uh, what happens to a person who causes one of these little ones to stumble? If you've heard it once, you know it. It will be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty horrible. There's no doubt about that. Or how about this one? If your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. For it's better than part of your body to be destroyed than your whole body to be destroyed in the fires of hell. That's what Jesus says. Striking, stern. Here's another one. If you're lukewarm towards God, this is the one that that catches me a lot. If you're lukewarm, what does God do to a lukewarm person? Yeah, he spits them out of his mouth and rejects them. These are all wake-up calls. Right, so, so wake-up calls are meant for those who are sleeping, those who have fallen asleep, who are just coasting, who, who don't really think anymore. They just coast, and they think everything's fine, and Jesus is stamping his feet and waving his hand saying, there's a fire. You're heading for the fire. And it's a stern warning for anyone in this congregation who has fallen asleep. But it's also a stern warning and memory for those Christians who are bearing fruit, who are safe from the fire. There still is a fire that people you know in in the community that you live in and work in will face. It's a stern warning. And John 15, the, the principle we see that comes from this stern warning is this. You are either growing or dying. 
You know, that's true for all the trees and the, the grass, bushes, the flowers. They're, plants are either growing or they're dying. It's true for animals. It's true for human beings. It's also true for businesses, isn't it? Organizations, churches. And Jesus makes it clear to us today as his church, we are either growing or dying. Uh, I'm going to read verse 2 and 6. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And if anyone, this is verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. I don't want to move too quickly past this point. I'll take that back. I want to move quickly past this point. But we need to stay here for just a moment. Jesus is talking about people who have fallen asleep. They're not connected to Christ. They they don't grow. They don't bear fruit. They are heading in the direction of a fire. No one wants that. No, no, none of us here. We, how do we avoid this? How do we help others avoid this? We need, to, we need to just understand that God is serious about growing fruit. Church, brothers and sisters, you're in a fruit garden. That's what this is all about. And if we don't have fruit, we've lost the vision. We've lost the whole point of everything we do. God is serious about growing fruit. Well, then how do we do that, right? That's what, you, that's what you're asking. I hope that's what you're asking. How do I do that? What do I do? Of course, that leads us to the next major theme we see. And I say theme because the word remain, or in the ESV abide, appears 11 times in 11 verses. Remain, remain, remain. I was getting tired of reading it. I was like, I'm drilling you guys with this word, remain, remain. He says it over and over again. It's almost like the disciples would say, yeah, we've heard you the first 10 times, Lord, when you said remain. It's interesting uh, that this is the only command that Jesus has for us in order for us to bear fruit. I mean, there's a lot of activity going on in John 15. There's a lot of activity a farmer or a vine dresser needs to to do in order for the vine to grow and produce fruit. There's all this work that needs to be done. But the only thing that we are given as an instruction is to remain. Uh, So I brought a branch this morning. Here it is. Uh, those of you who graduated in 2013, this is from your tree sitting right out there, 30 feet from this window. We plant a tree every year for the high school seniors when they graduate, and um, it, your tree is one less branch. So I think it's a plum tree. I don't know. I'm not a farmer, but I'm looking at this branch, and I'm just going to ask a question. Um, you can see that I severed it from the tree, but, but is there anything that we can do to make this little twig grow? So that my daughter can one day climb the tree and sit on that twig as it's grown to a a mighty branch. Is there anything we can do to to make a fruit appear? Anything we can do. I mean, pesticides, you know, like all kinds of water. We can throw fertilizer on it. We can can throw it on the ground. I don't know, maybe something. What what would we do? And the answer is obvious. It's so obvious. This, This branch... Now that I've severed it from the tree, 
has 100% guaranteed no growth. No fruit will ever appear on this branch. Do y'all see that? That's what Jesus is saying. This is what you are like when you're not with Christ. When you are disconnected from Christ, this is you. There's no hope. How absurd it would look for us to try to grow fruit like this, right? When we have all of these ideas and we talk amongst ourselves and we think and we, and have we forgotten the one thing that Jesus told us to do and that is to remain to the vine, connected to the vine. And so branches like this are just, you know, they're just tossed, they wither. In three hours, this branch will shrivel up. The leaves will fall off and it'll be good for a fire. So we get that. I, I look at the branch. I understand. I, I, you know, I don't know if I can scotch tape it back. I kind of regret doing it now because I feel bad for that branch. But can I scotch tape it back on the tree? I don't know. How do I remain? How do I stay connected to the tree? That's, that's an easy thing to see in a physical sense with a tree. But maybe when we think about our spiritual growth, maybe it's a little bit more foggy in our minds. What does it mean to remain in Christ? So let's, let's think a little bit about that. The first step you need to kind of think about is, is an obvious one. And that is that Jesus Christ is no longer physically here. He ascended into heaven. He's not with us anymore. And here's the point of this. He did it on purpose. Did you ever think about that? Jesus didn't accidentally disappear. And, and what we have right now is God's plan B. No, this is what he intended all along. God intended, Jesus intended to be absent from us physically. But he sent us three things that are essential to remaining in Christ. Even though he's physically not here. I'll name them. The first thing is easy. It's just the people of God. He said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? I've restored you. Yes, now you're a leader. He said, feed my sheep. Care for them. Galatians says, carry each other's burdens. Love one another. As I have loved you, love your brother as yourself. These are things that, that Christ has given us, right? The, all of the yous, you in John 15, are plural. He's speaking to all of his disciples and he's saying to them as a group, I want you to become a community of believers that surround each other and help each other remain in Christ. So are you connected to a group of Christians that know you well? Or, or maybe you're the kind of person that slips in and then you slip out. You have Christian friends, but you're Christian friends and you never have deep conversations, right? You never go there. You, you talk about other things. Do you have a community group to belong to? I would encourage you, if you are not part of the community, you might be separating yourself, disconnecting yourself from Christ. Stay in Christian community. Be a part of the people of God. Christ gave them to you. Second, it's the word of God. This is clearly seen in John 15. He says, remain in my words. That's exactly what he says. So we have here the Bible. This is exactly what he's talking about. The word of God, remain in his words. So are you studying this book? Are you reading it? Are you memorizing it? Is it in you? Are you in it? Well, 
want to make sure that everything we do, every sermon, every song, every time we meet, every time the youth ministry outreaches, every time college students get together and talk, we want, we want to be based on the word. We don't want to just think of what we're thinking about in, in men and humanity's perspective. We want to think of what God wants us to think about. We want to think about his word. The third thing, the people of God, the word of God, of course, the third thing is the spirit of God. Christ said he was going to send us a counselor, a counselor that would do a number of things in our heart right here, right in the center of who you are. Personally and privately, you can sense the spirit. As I'm speaking or reading these words, I'm looking at you, but I can't, I can't know what's going on in your heart. That's the spirit's job. And I'm trusting the spirit is here in our midst, but really in your heart. He's reminding you of things you've been taught and forgot. He's showing you new things, illuminating your eyes and opening your ears and making your heart soft. The Spirit is giving you joy to celebrate and sing. The Spirit gives you boldness to do anything Christ wants you to do. The people of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God. Those aren't really hard to understand. I haven't said anything that that you would say, oh yeah, I've never heard that before. These are all things you've heard before, I'm trusting. And it's not really hard to understand, but it really is hard to do. One of the reasons I find it's hard to do is because I have trouble making it the priority. Right? The people of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, trying to make it a priority in my life to remain in Christ. My family has an app called Life 360 and it's a, it's a powerful real-time location sharing app with GPS. So I can I can literally pull it up and and I can see where my wife is right now and Hope is and Haley is. They're all on it with me. Um, and I can, I can wonder why, you know, why, why are you there? I can see exactly where you are. And the funny thing is, uh, this is a little creepy. Uh, it not only shares the live location, it keeps a record of it. So at night, Shelly, you know, sits on the bed with me and she goes, oh, let's see where's, where David's been today. She scrolls through my history. She knows how fast I went down the road for this trip. She asked me, hey, uh, why at 3.25 p.m. were you at the Circle K? And I'm like, okay, I cheated on my diet. I got a Frosty. I had to do it. You know, I was driving by. I love Circle K. This is the best gas station in the world. So, I mean, my, my wife can tell. That's a little creepy, isn't it? What if we were to do that with you? And not just with your location, but every word that you spoke, every action you did for a whole day, we, we cataloged them, wrote them down, and kept a record of it. And at the end of the day, we showed it to you. And we asked one simple question. What's your priority? Where are your priorities in life? I wonder what would come of that, what you might learn about yourself. Do you spend too much time doing things that aren't related to remaining in Christ? Do you make it a priority? Now, a lot of times in the college ministry, I'll have um, you know, college students come to me and they'll say, you know, I've got this problem. I say, okay, let's talk about it. So we flesh it out. There it is. There's the problem, big and ugly and awful. What are we going to do about that? And I said, well, are you remaining in Christ? Do you have an answer through Jesus, right? Well, let's look at that. And, and, and a lot of times what I hear, this is what I hear most of the time, and it's true for me. It's not untrue 
for me, even though I'm a pastor, I work here, you know, it's true for me too. I, I try to, but it's hard to find the time. I'm so busy. And, and when, I, when I hear that, when I see that in my own life, it's comical to me. How can I do the only thing that Jesus requires of me in order to produce fruit if I don't make it a priority to do it? So he says it 11 times. He wants it to be a priority to you. He doesn't want you to listen to it and then forget about it. Remain in Christ. Now, now that we know that, there's, this, there's an essential part to remaining in Christ. Because you could be led to think that remaining in Christ is once you've got the priorities set and you've got the habits down and you're remaining in Christ and you're learning from his word and you're singing praises and you're with people that you love and you're, yes, I'm growing in my faith. I'm becoming wise. You could think that w- that would be an exciting, wonderful journey. But Christ wants you to know that an essential part to remaining in Christ is this concept of pruning. Pruning, it's there. You can't deny it. You can't unsee it. Verse two says, every branch that does bear fruit, he throws a party for, gives them a congratulations and a medal of honor because you bore fruit. That's not what it says. Even though those things are true, I mean, that's going to happen, right? One day we'll see the reward and we'll, we'll celebrate. Yeah, I'm not saying that's untrue, but what he says in verse 2 is, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So I know you've thought about pruning before. A lot of us have, not everyone, but a lot of us have thought of pruning. I just want to remind you of a few key elements standing here on the edge of 2018, getting ready for all this stuff that's going to happen in 2019. Just remember these, these things about pruning. First, pruning hurts. Pruning hurts because it's the loss of something you love. It's it's every time you, you lose something you love. So it hurts. I tried really hard to get around this. I did. I almost threw this passage out and did something else in Ephesians that was a little more uplifting. But, you know, the, the truth is pruning hurts and you can't get around it. No matter what philosophy you come up with, no matter what thoughts you might have, you, you can't weasel your way out of this. Pruning hurts. No magic fix. We can't deny it. It's there in our lives. And sometimes it feels like it will never go away. Also about pruning, bad news. Pruning is inevitable. No matter how you strive to avoid pain, no matter how you strive to be comfortable and safe, it's inevitable that you'll be pruned. He wants you to be clear. Jesus wants you to be clear on this. Here's why. Because you can end up being pruned and then shocked and say something like, what did I do to deserve that? Right? I've done everything right. I've, done, I've served you well. I'm bearing fruit. And you give me this loss. And, and you're surprised by it. Jesus does not want you to be surprised when the day comes when he prunes you. His answer to the question, why am I doing this to you, even though I'm bearing fruit? He'll say, because you're bearing fruit, I'm pruning you. Everybody gets cut. 
You either get cut off like this branch or you get pruned. But the reality is everybody gets cut. God is not repaying evil for evil though, is he? He's not punishing you. He's not angry and wrathful. He prunes you because he wants you to bear more fruit. He wants you to grow. So don't think you're the only one that suffers. You know, you, you look around, you, you think, oh, this guy, you know, he's, he has a better car than me. He has a nicer house. His kids are glorious kids. And what a job. He gets to go do these, this and that and all these fun things. And yeah, talk to that person for 15 minutes and you will see the loss in their life. Don't assume that the people around you are better off than you. Oftentimes it's not. Talk to them. Talk to them deeply about their life. They'll show you where God has pruned and they've experienced pain and loss. Okay, that's the bad news. But of course, he doesn't leave us there. There's hope. And here's the first one. Your pain has a purpose. Pruning means your pain. Every moment of your pain is purposeful. Isn't that great news? Think about this now for a second. If you're a Christian, you experience loss in your life and you're hurting right in the midst of the pain, but you know and you hope there's a purpose behind it. If you're not a Christian, if you're an unbeliever, just imagine how they suffer. There's no reason. There's no hope. There's no purpose. They just, oops, they stumbled into some painful experience. This place is black, dark, darkness, chaos. At least when the Christian suffers, he can be reminded it's pruning and there's a purpose for it. And look at the purpose. Look at it. It's fruit. Romans 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. Yes, we've been groaning. In the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Right up to this moment, says Paul. Not only so, but we ourselves, the pastors, the ones that are, you know, behind the pulpit, uh, we who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly too as we await eagerly the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. That's everybody. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't have, we wait for it patiently. There's hope. Look at the purpose. Look at, you lose something you love, but it's replaced eventually with something you love more. Every time for a Christian. It's not just hope that your pain will end. It's that your pain will be replaced with something glorious and great. Listen to the words of Jesus in the next chapter, John 16. By the way, this is a very key moment in the life of Jesus, 15 and 16. 24 hours from now, he will be betrayed and suffer the cross. In John 15, 16, he just read on in 17, 18, that's what happens. And so in that moment, he says in John 16, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. 
Is it because the sorrow ends, the pain ends? Verse 21, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, listen, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. She's still in pain. It's not, it's not like the pain just automatically ends. Some of it does, but some of it lingers. But even in that moment, she forgets because of this baby that's born. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach us this morning. That your pruning has a purpose. And that purpose is something you love better than whatever you lost. At some point, you will be like that mom no longer remembering the anguish for the joy of something better. And that leads us to the third thing. It's the last thing we're going to talk about. It's the exciting result. It's what is produced from pruning. And that is bearing much fruit. Not just one, but much fruit. Okay, so we're trying to, you know, avoid the awful fire. By the way... And you talk about that awful fire. This is a good point to insert this right when we talk about fruit. You think about that, it's like an alarm clock that's designed to wake you up from your sleep. But you don't put your headphones on and go for a run with an alarm clock sound. You don't do that, right? You don't, you don't put the CD in your car that has an alarm sound on it and listen to it as you drive down the road. You don't do that. But you do need an annoying, brash alarm sound to get you awake. Likewise, the fires of hell and the stern warning of destruction isn't meant to then become your lifelong song that motivates you, right? There's something else that motivates you. It does, it does turn you around, yes, and wake you up. But you've got something you're looking at that's glorious and wonderful. Nobody runs a marathon with their head backwards. So don't stare at hell as you strive to grow and produce fruit. Look at the fruit. That's our, that's our direction. That's where our eyes go. It doesn't mean that the fire disappears, but look at the fruit. So what, what about this fruit? There's two ways the commentators generally talk about fruit. And that is, one, it's either good works, good things that you do, like as in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You're kind to somebody. You do a good work. It's, it's fruit. So, so the, it comes, the, the life, the love, the joy, all that comes from the roots into the vine, into the branch. The fruit is all these good works that you do. And it's meant for others. Now, think about this. It's interesting. Uh, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Can't, you can't do that in a closet by yourself. You can't do the fruit of the Spirit. You can maybe feel them or think about them. But in order to, to do them, you have to be in a community. In other words, trees don't have mouths to eat their own fruit. The fruit is designed for someone other than you. It's meant for others. Right? And that's, that's the glorious thing. It's, it's meant to be done to others. And the other thing the commentators say, they're, they're new converts. Fruit means making new disciples. And, and you can get lost in which one is it? Is it this? Is it? It's both. The, the things that we do to others through the power and love and joy of Christ, we do it for others. Our fruit is then eaten, celebrated, 
And then that fruit leads them back to the vine, makes a new convert, makes a disciple. And as they grow, they also remain in Christ and the cycle's complete. And those disciples that you've made make disciples. You can see how this is exponential growth. Much fruit, says the passage. This is what Jesus says in John 5. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. In John 15, later on, a few verses later in 16, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. And here it is. And you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Kindness doesn't abide in Christ. A person who you have been kind to, who is led to Christ, abides in Christ. So that's what fruit is. Fruit is the life of Jesus flowing through us to others who then become disciples and and start to remain or be connected to Christ. So, I want you to envision this fruit as we end today. As you think about all the things that we're going to do as a church, do you have a vision for for the fruit? Do you see it clearly? Now, at this point in my sermon, I was trying to wrap it all up with a really cool metaphor, maybe a movie scene that I saw once, and I was like, it's going to wrap everything up and be this great like story or something, right? And I, and I couldn't think of it. I was like racking my brain. Let's see, all the movies I've seen. I don't know. So I was trying, and I, just, I was striking out. And then this thought occurred to me. Why am I going to a movie? I've worked at this church for 11 years. Don't you think I've seen fruit in 11 years? And you know the first name that popped in my head? I don't know, it was weird. It was, I don't know why, but it was, it was Graham Radford. I just saw, you know, Graham playing a game in my mind, remembering how he rolled around the carpet out there in the lobby with a bunch of kids on top of him, probably in pain. But that's Graham Radford. And I'm like, he's teaching, you know, and he's doing all these things in the middle school. And I'm like, well, there's your story, right? That's the fruit. I I met Graham as a middle school student and I didn't see anything in his future. I, I just, I mean, it wasn't because of Graham. I just didn't have the capacity and provision to see anything. But now I sit back and I, I look at the guy. Look at him. Look at what he's doing. He's now mentoring others who are in the future going to mentor others. And I began to think, here's some, some names of some teenagers that have grown up in the church that are here. Some of us are here because it's between the, the holidays. You've come home. Um, by the way, you've disobeyed God by leaving Wilmington. So I'm just going to be clear about that. So get back in God's will, please. I don't know how you can remain in Christ outside that. Oh, I'll stop. Okay. Um, Zachary, Tristan, Boyce, I saw Griffin, Molly, Kelsey, Connor, Hannah Kate, Car- I saw Caroline, Hannah Param. There's a bunch of them. I know I've left some out, but there's a bunch of them here. And then I started thinking of names of these same people who've come through the ministry that have served with me. There, there's Graham Radford, of course, but that, that's not the only one. Sam Bowman. Brandon Alenzi, Aaron Alenzi, Abby Holdsworth, Sam Holdsworth, Sarah Kate Delacourt, Alexandra Henderson, Elijah Morgan, Lauren Duncan, Morgan Cooper, Morgan Radford, saw Morgan Keesler. I mean, all these names, and I'm like, fruit, 
These are people that have grown up through the youth ministry that I've done lock-ins with at 4 a.m. and look at what they're doing in their lives. You know the statistic about teenagers who go off and become adults and walk away from the faith? 80% they say. I don't know. I don't see 80% doing that. I see fruit. And I even now see names I haven't mentioned. I mean, it's just so many people. And that's just the people who I met as teenagers. There's people that are transplanted from other cities. You know, they come here as college students. And I see, do you see that growth? Do you see, when, when, I, when I baptize Bonnie Garrison, you know, this little baby, do you know what I see? I see the next great Graham Radford right there, middle school leader. That's not true. I don't just see middle school leaders. But I see the next fruit-bearing branch that's gonna bear more fruit, that's gonna bear more fruit, that's gonna bear more fruit, and on and on it goes. Do you see people like that in our church? If you don't, when it's your moment to sacrifice and contribute, you won't have much joy doing it. Keep these in your mind, these people that have grown in their faith and are now giving back. Well, a grander picture exists than just a collection of names from Wilmington. Revelation 7. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One of the elders said, Who are these people? And I answered, sir, you know, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Their robes have been washed and made white in the blood of the lamb. When you are ready to give and sacrifice, when you are being pruned and it's painful, remember the fruit. Let's pray. God, you have brought to our minds this glorious picture of fruit these good works that you cause us and motivate us and strengthen us to do in your name, in your power. And then we get to see people be changed and then they turn around and they do these things. Help us remember the fruit, Lord. And when it comes time for us to sacrifice and and to be in pain or to contribute freely, help us to remember the guarantee of fruit to come. Gradual, slow, painful to be sure, but inevitable, powerful, procreative, and eventually glorious. Pray in Christ's name, amen.